Hey, good morning again. It is so great to be with you this morning, this Memorial Day weekend. You know, the entire month of May is Military Appreciation Month. So lots of things have gone on this month. Spouse Appreciation Day back on Mother's Day. Armed Forces Day a couple of weekends ago on the 16th. And now we're coming up in, on Memorial Day, officially tomorrow on the 25th of May. Now, so Memorial Day weekend, I hope all of us have something memorable to celebrate this weekend. I know many of you remember this year, 2020, for many significant things. I know Andy Grabowski, one of our volunteers in the Rock, which is our children's ministry area, just completed his Master of Divinity degree from Southern Baptist Seminary. And I'll bet I can hear a hallelujah right now from Celeste over there on the west side as he's finished that up. You know, it's such a great thing because Andy and Celeste are both Navy veterans who attend here at Hoffmantown. What a joy. What a wonderful time of celebration for Andy, Celeste, and Tyler. They'll remember this month forever. Andy did it. He pressed on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus, just as Paul encouraged the church at Philippi. He finished this race while facing the challenges not only of his seminary studies at the graduate level, but with COVID-19 slowing everything down at the end. So again, congrats, Andy, Celeste, and Taylor. We are all so proud of you. I encourage every one of you that when we're meeting together again as an entire body, and that's going to happen again soon, unless the Lord decides not to tarry and comes on back, We'll be meeting together again in person, and I encourage every one of you, go up to The Rock, listen to Andy's teaching, and congratulate him on everything that he's uh, accomplished this year. I also know Jeff and Tara Bartlett will remember this Memorial Day forever. We prayed over Jeff way back last year before he deployed. Jeff returned from his deployment on Mother's Day. He was over in the Middle East flying combat missions, for a bit longer than he expected to because of the issues with COVID-19. Throughout all that, Jeff and Tara modeled Christ as light bearers. As Paul would describe it, you did all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Jeff, you fought that good fight in the desert. Tara, you were a rock. You were a true Proverbs 31 example of a military wife. You held things together here while Jeff was gone. While Jeff was gone, his squadron lost a crew in a plane crash. These were his teammates while he was there. But Jeff, you led with courage and the love of Jesus Christ as your foundation. Jeff, I look forward to a great warrior-like man hug when your COVID-19 post-deployment quarantine is over. We thank God that you are home. Stories like these tell me remembering is a good thing. It's not only a good thing, it's a godly thing. The Hebrew word zekar is found 231 times in the Old Testament. And it has a Greek equivalent, which my friends that are seminary grads and uh, those of you who are 
Greek, Latin, Hebrew uh, you know, experts. I know I'm going to get emails about uh, my pronunciation, so bring it on. But the word menesco is found 21 times in the New Testament. But the important thing is not the pronouncement. It's how are they defined. Both of them mean to be mindful of, to remember, to call to mind. To call to mind is an active verb. It requires our action. It's an intentional act. David in Psalm 66 says, Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of man. He turned the sea into dry land, and they passed through the river on foot. What King David remembers here, what he calls to mind intentionally, is how God split the Red Sea so his people could walk across and escape Egypt, going to the promised land. And then later, he dries the Jordan River. The Jordan River was at full flood stage at this point. Why? So that his people could cross over into the promised land, the land that God had promised to them. Passing on the memories, the stories of great things God has done for us, that's what we're supposed to do today and every day. Remembering is good. I have a hat with me. You know, some of you have got uh, one of these, very similar. This is my hat. Nobody else wears my hat. Russ Spiker, some of you and some of the other veterans have seen my hat before. I've used it in other talks around the veteran community. This hat has been around the block. You know, it's got a split bill. It's faded. It's worn. It's got a lot of sweat stains in it. It's like I said, it's been around the world since 9-11. But inside, I've written the names of friends, and I've written the names of comrades who've died defending liberty and defending our freedom. They died for me, for my family, for you, for every one of us. I bring it out today because remembering those who died in service to our country is what Memorial Day is all about. It's really not about barbecues. It's not about baseball. All those things would be great. I would love to pre-plan some of those to be having a barbecue tomorrow in my pre-COVID world, have everybody over at my house. But this Memorial Day weekend, we remember, I call to the front of my memory those who followed Jesus' example in teaching. Just a little bit ago, we saw a video with a presentation featuring uh, John 15, 13. John 15, 13 is a verse that we hear quite often quoted for Memorial Day. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. But I want to highlight the verses preceding 15, 13. They tell us we can confidently and joyfully live for others, not just ourselves. Verse 11 begins with a new thought process, which Jesus had emphasized over and over throughout his ministry. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was not bringing to memory, was not remembering the dreadful heartaches of the past days, weeks, and months leading up to this time when he spoke these words. That was Passover week, just prior to his crucifixion. Jesus was looking forward. He was looking to the future. He was looking beyond the cross to eternity. Even though Jesus was facing death, he focused on joy. He focused on fullness of life. He focused on service to God. Jesus focused upon being alive even while he was facing death. I want you to put the word alive back into your short-term memory banks for just a little bit. I'll come back to that in just a little bit during the sermon. But as we remember heroes on Memorial Day, we're to be thankful for their sacrifice. Jesus and most every hero I've personally known who died in battle would ask us to look to the future, to eternity as Jesus did. Before an important mission, before a dangerous mission, I have never had a crewmate or somebody who was going to go out on a convoy with me sit down and say, you know, be sure I have a really good funeral. That's not what we talk about when we're thinking about what it is that we're called to do. We all talked about looking to the future, being sure spouses and children are well taken care of, and those hopeful visions for eternity as Jesus did. You know, like I said, I have names written in my hat. Bobby Shuler, Brian Downs, Liz Jacobson, Wrath 1-1. I recently added some other things to help me remember, to call to mind the reasons to remember Memorial Day on a regular basis because it was the price of my freedom. They paid that price. For me, this is a very personal day. It's a very personal weekend. Memorial Day really means a lot to me, and there's some pain that goes along with it, as I know there's some pain for many of you. Written on the brim of my hat is a phrase reminding me of my duty to our heroes. And it says, we are not just the beneficiaries of their bravery. We're the stewards of their sacrifice. This was a charge I spoke at the memorial after the crash of an MC-130 aircraft with the call sign Wrath 1-1. It speaks about the sacrifice of the men on that crew and others just like them who offered to lay down their life on any given day, on any given night, for freedom. We're to be the ones who steward those sacrifices. We must protect the memory of the men and women who lay down their lives for us and protect their vision for freedom. I often call to mind January 22, 2006. I stopped to think about two young airmen and their families, two men who sacrificed their lives for freedom. They were driving the lead vehicle in a convoy moving supplies to Army and Marine forward operating bases throughout Iraq. These two came from separate Air Force bases in the United States to serve together in Iraq 
They depended upon each other. They were the best of friends. And they led other Americans up a dark and dangerous road every night, delivering supplies to outposts located from the border of Kuwait, which takes you up through the ancient lands of Ur, up the Euphrates River to Baghdad, and all the way north to Mosul, a town and region also known in the Bible, and even on current maps today, as Nineveh, the same region where the prophet Jonah was called to evangelize and where one of the oldest Christian monasteries and churches in the world stood until ISIS destroyed it. Then they would go on to the most northern regions of Iraq. That was a tough mission that took place during one of the toughest times of the war for the liberation of Iraq. In fact, this time of the war was, was codenamed Operation Iraqi Freedom. Jason Norton and Brian McElroy were killed near the city of Baghdad by a roadside bomb. They were defending freedom for us. They were defending freedom for their families. They were defending freedom for the people of Iraq. The Iraqi people participated in their first free election on January 25th, 2006. That was only a few days after these two heroes were killed. And every year, I remember. I call to mind their sacrifices. I remember the letters I wrote that night to their wives and the individual notes I wrote to each of their children. I was hoping that someday my words could help ease some pain, maybe help them know that their daddies are true heroes. I led memorial ceremonies for them and too many others in the deserts of Iraq. And every time I visit Washington, D.C., I visit the gravesite and the memorial to these two heroes who are laid together to rest together at Arlington National Cemetery. In my memorial service remarks, I often include these words from the book of Joshua. I hope these words will resonate with you if you're a parent and with all of us who influence others for Christ. For the pictures God painted in the Old Testament point the way for us to see the truths of Jesus Christ as presented in the New Testament because Jesus Christ brought us hope. He brought us the promise. Joshua 4 tells us, and this is just as the nation of Israel is preparing to cross the Jordan River to take the promised land. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here. Out of the middle of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Take up a stone, each of you, upon your shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. And here's the important part we need to remember. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? You shall tell them, 
that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. What a picture God paints for us. I love the book of Joshua. I love the entire Bible, but I especially love the book of Joshua as it resonates with me. God repeatedly says, he tells to Joshua and all of his people, be strong, be of great courage, be strong and courageous. He says it many different ways. But the point is, our God is not a God of timidity. He doesn't back down in the face of crisis and challenge. And he gives us hope to make those steps. In this passage, he's going to demonstrate to his people his power. And he tells, to the, he tells the people to remember, to call to mind. They should already know they can conquer their enemies with God's help. He has led them. God has led them for 40 years since leaving Egypt. He has prepared them for every coming battle. God is going to demonstrate his power over even nature as they prepared across the Jordan into the promised land. He prepared the way. He wants his people and us to always remember to call to mind the great works he has done for us. He's done great works for us. He's done great works through us so that we can take action today and we can take action in the days to come. Future hope is based on memories of the past. And this hope gives meaning to our present today. We can have hope today because of the promises of tomorrow. God tells us to remember the challenges and the triumphs, the tear-stained times as well as the joyful times. Because in every challenge, with every tear that they face then and that we face now, he has promised us he will help us through. And God's promises never fail. This theme is carried on into the New Testament. They overcame every affliction that's a theme Paul uses in his description of his second letter to the Corinthians. That's, again, in the New Testament. And as he comforts them, Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. And here's the why. Why does God comfort us? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it's for our comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces a new patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Again, this was the most personal letter that Paul wrote to any of the churches. Why? Because he was so concerned with the afflictions that he had heard about coming from that church at Corinth. 
What did they mean? They were in, included attacks by members of the society in which they lived. Sound familiar? They were being scorned and ridiculed for their faith. Paul was compelled to encourage them to remain strong and unified in their faith, even as they were shunned by friends and neighbors. Well, you might be asking yourself, how are we to stay strong and courageous? How do we remain strong and unified in the face of battles which sometimes seem unwinnable? We don't know where COVID is going. As many of you know, I'm a rubber-meets-the-road kind of guy. That's why I wear beat-up old hats, uh, I drive a pickup truck, uh, all kinds of those things. But how do I or should I apply what I know from the Scriptures? How do we demonstrate to our community the important place faith has in our lives as we deal with a challenge so unknown as war, or a coronavirus, or COVID-19, and all these restrictions and threats to the sick that this sickness has brought. So many unknowns. How can I process the scriptures telling me to be strong and courageous when there is so much pain all around me? Maybe, maybe like the pain you may be feeling right now. There was a prophet in the uh, Old Testament named Jeremiah and sometimes he's called the weeping prophet. Why? Because he wrote such despairing thoughts in the book of Lamentations. Laments. He cried out. But in every one of his laments, every one of his cries, the Holy Spirit also spoke to him. In chapter 3, we see a man who is in a very dark place. And maybe you can relate to Jeremiah. Verses 2 and 3, he says, he has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely God has turned his hand against me. But God. But God helps Jeremiah to remember to call to mind his reason for hope. As we read on a bit further in verses 21 through 24, Jeremiah, through the, the words of the Holy Spirit, tells us, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Though the, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. We're not eaten up from the inside because his compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. What are his compassions? God's provisions and comfort, as Paul talks about later in Corinthians. Great is your faithfulness. Pastor David Jeremiah adds this in his commentary on this section of Jeremiah. He says, God is faithful. How does that affect us? God is faithful. How will that help us this week? God is faithful. How does that explain what's going on in our lives? Because God is faithful, we can have confidence when we pray. Because God is faithful, we can conquer evil and temptation. Because God is faithful, we can praise him. Because God is faithful, we can have courage when we are afraid. The prophet's point was, when you do not understand what is going on, and when things are not going as you like, you can have courage in times of trouble. 
if you understand God is faithful, his promises are true. The people of Israel had wandered the desert for 40 years. They were not quarantined, but they were cut off from many things that they thought they needed. You know, how many things do you need that you're not able to see, do, or feel right now? For them, it was like homegrown food and vegetables, a bed and a house, libraries, a mighty river that provided green grass, cool meadows, a place to grow their own crops. But God still provided for every one of their needs, manna every morning to feed them, clothes and shoes which did not need to be replaced for 40 years, a place to sleep each night, and when they were moving, a pillar of fire at night to guide them, and a cloud of smoke by day to take them to the place that God wanted them to be. When God told them to move forward, he provided a way. When God provided them a promise, he did so with the knowledge that he had fulfilled every promise before so that they could have hope. God told Moses how to walk in favor and how to walk with confidence and courage to be victorious in this journey of life. This is the words that God gave to Moses. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it. And again, he goes through an entire series of, of things that he tells them, this is why you can trust me. But then he gets down to verse 4, and he really gets to the point of the matter. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is Moses telling the people what God has told him. What's the most important thing we can do? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. When the Lord God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob to give you, he tells them all the way down through this to remember. Why? Because he, in verse 12, he leads us to what we're prone to do as humans. We're, we're prone to forget. We're prone to be overwhelmed by everything that the world tells us. But Moses tells the people, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God had promised all these things to the nation of Israel and he fulfilled that promise. And he's telling them, we cannot forget. God taught Moses the most important things to teach the, the people. They were to remember, to actively call to mind that God is Lord. And he is the one who takes care of our needs. And soon after that, he made Joshua leader of the people after Moses died. And God told him to remember. Again, back to the, uh, the passage we read before. Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan, 
and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder. Again, these were to pick up the memorial stones, to build a memorial to the wonders of what God did. And what do these stones mean to you? Tell them that when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? Then you are to tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the Lord. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. We're to remember this forever. God instructed Joshua how to teach the people to remember. And again, all those stories about that that lead us to the character of God, that he holds true to his promises, are true not only in the Old Testament, but he carries them forward into the new. Jesus also taught us the importance of remembering. In 1 Corinthians 11, we're given a description of the Lord's Supper in the upper room with his disciples. Jesus told us, drink from this cup and eat of this bread. Why? In remembrance of me. So that we remember our relationship and our fellowship with him and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Again, we intentionally bring it to the forefront of our mind, what Jesus has done for us. We're told to look back at what Christ has done for us. He died for our sin so that we can look forward to living with him in eternity. The example of the Lord's Supper being a time to look back in time and forward to the future with him helps me understand how I am to live today, even in troubled times. Here's a simple acrostic for you to think about each day. Do you want to live as the weeping prophet of Lamentations, crumbling under the weight of life, feeling dead, or do you hope to be alive? Again, I told you to put that one in the back of your short-term memory. Bring it back forward now. Being alive is living as Christ taught us, looking forward to a future, an eternity filled with hope because of our relationship with him, our relationship with Jesus Christ. When Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we can live alive with A, always, L, living, I, in, V, view of, and E, eternity. Five things to remember. And again, I've got them you know, on the bill of my hat so that I can remember whenever I wear this. Being alive, always living in view of eternity. I'm looking forward. Well, how do we do that today? How do I make that come true in my life? We have many examples in Scripture, but I want to share with you a story that you might see as a practical truth to living in view of eternity, to looking in view of what's way out ahead of us. There was a small plane which crashed in one of the roughest regions of Alaska. The people inside that plane survived, but they crashed far from any civilization, a hundred miles or so. No one could see the wreckage as they were out searching for them because the trees were too thick. They were written off as lost. The experienced old pilot decided that if they were to survive, they would have to walk out. They would have to walk out that hundred miles and go to civilization. 
the small band set out, and about a month later, they arrived at their destination. They surprised many of the local woodsmen who did not think anyone could survive such a trek. While being interviewed about their astounding, miraculous journey, a reporter asked the pilot, how in the world did you walk 100 miles through such rugged terrain and survive? Well, the pilot answered, we didn't walk 100 miles. We walked one mile 100 times. Their journey started with one small step. The old pilot knew the location of their destination. He could look out over the horizon. He knew where he was flying toward. It was a seemingly unreachable distance, but he knew the right direction. He also knew that by looking at his compass and keeping it pointed at that distant goal, he could walk to the challenge right in front of him. We learn this often at the survival schools with the different militaries. You know, we can take a, take a compass look, find something within our sight, and follow our compass to that next point. That's what these people did. They went to that next challenge, and then the next, and then the next. And they kept that goal in sight with each step until they reached their destination. That little village that they walked to was their little piece of heaven. If you feel like you've crashed in the forest with everything that's going on right now, maybe you have no idea what is going to happen with your job, with your finances, then maybe Memorial Day has brought to your mind some painful memories of family members, of friends that you've lost, and you don't know how you're going to get through those. I encourage you to do as the old hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. When we do that, the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his wonder, his glory and grace. If we keep looking to Jesus, keep taking one small step at a time, those steps soon add up to miles. And soon, our journey will result in our seeing Jesus. Maybe you don't know exactly what it is I'm talking about. Maybe you don't feel that comfort right now. But if you want to see Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not just another man in a philosophy book or a history book. I know Nate has been talking about apologetics the past couple of weeks. If you want to know that this man that we see in the books is more than just a man, if you want to know him as a savior, all you have to do is speak to him. That's what prayer is all about, is us speaking to God, having a conversation with him. Just tell him, Jesus, I'm hurting. I'm a sinner and I know I live in a sinful world. I believe you are the one and only God and the one who can help me right now. I believe only you can save me. And by your grace, I love you, and I thank you for letting me be your child from this moment and forever. If you pray that in Jesus' name, if you had that sincere, heartfelt talk with Jesus, again, praying is nothing but having a conversation with God,
He promised you will spend eternity with who? With him, with Jesus. Maybe you're hurting because you're remembering a loved one you've lost in service to this nation, maybe a friend, you know, maybe like me, you've got some names written on your heart, not just inside your hat, but they're on your heart and it hurts and you need someone to comfort you as the God who comforts us in all our troubles. We want to pray with you right now as well that God will bless you, that God will ease your pain. For those of you who are remembering service members who laid down their lives for our country, I know thank you is never enough to tell you, especially those of you who have sacrificed so much in your families. But I am thankful. We all are. We're thankful for the service and sacrifice of hundreds of thousands of patriots who helped preserve freedom with their lives from the Revolutionary War until today. If you or someone you know needs to speak to someone about your loss or any other issues related to your military service, I'll be online immediately after this uh, sermon. After we close, I would love to speak with you. I would love to share your burden. I would love to be able to comfort you with the comfort that I have been comforted with in my own life, my own losses. I know now that I've experienced so many of those so that I can be a comfort to you through the love of Jesus Christ. You know, we have taken some time to remember the importance of Memorial Day, the importance of calling to memory the the love for this country, the love for freedom, the love for each one of us, for our men and women who've died wearing our uniform. And I encourage you, that our Lord Jesus Christ gave us that great example. No greater love has any man than to live, than to lay down his life for us, for his friends. We can call Jesus our friend. Will you pray with me right now as we close? And as we pray, think about what you want to call to memory, to call to the front of your mind on this Memorial Day weekend. Will you pray with me? Father God, I come to you with thankfulness that, Lord, your promises are true, that, Lord, you promise to comfort us with a comfort we don't always understand. For, Lord, there are so many of us who've lost friends, we've lost families that have laid down their lives for this nation, that have laid down their lives for freedom around the world, Father, we're thankful for their selfless sacrifice. Father, we're thankful for the families that you've come around to comfort. And Lord, I just pray that on this Memorial Day weekend, that for those families who have lost loved ones, who've given their lives for you and for me, for all of us, that Lord, please come together around these families. Strengthen them, comfort them with the comfort that can only come from you. And Father, as we go through these trials of COVID-19 and every other trial that we see in our lives, Father God, I just pray that you would help us
to be our compass, to look to you so that we can take one step, Father of hope, that you will guide and direct us. And then, Father, when we see how well you've led us, your faithfulness, that, Lord, we can take that next step and that, Lord, every day we can walk closer and closer to you because we're looking at you and we're not looking at the things that are going on around us in the world. Father, we thank you for our time together. We look forward to the time when we're actually physically together once again around your table and in your church as a body. And Lord, I just pray protection upon every person who is listening today. And again, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, go out. Have a great Memorial Day tomorrow. Call to memory the great things that God has done in your life. God bless.